You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. You're listening to episode 148 of the Merged Marketing Podcast. And in today's episode, we're talking about how to prepare for a recession. And my guest on today's show is Kyle Kotak. Kyle is the president of Skylar Media, an integrated digital agency that builds strategic solutions that solve real business challenges through a focus on brand, tech, and data. Kyle is an excellent guest on this topic because his agency was around back in 2008 and 2009 during the recession. And Kyle's gonna talk about his experience during those times and how his clients were affected. And perhaps you will gain some value in terms of the ways your business can avoid similar issues during the upcoming recession. Now, we hope the recession's not gonna come, but inevitably it feels like it is. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses out there are gonna be impacted, but hopefully today's episode will minimize that impact for you and your business. Without further ado, let's kick it to my chat with Kyle Kotak. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jay. So Kyle, maybe start us off by giving us a bit of a uh, introduction to who you are and what's your journey to get you to where you are today. So uh, I'll give you the, 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 sh- the short end of it. So my name is Kyle Kozak. I'm the president and CEO of, uh, of a, an agency called Skylar Media Group. We're a full service agency and we cater to, uh, you know, uh, large mid-sized enterprises um, that, that are really in need of, you know, a more robust marketing team, uh, supporting them in a, in a variety of capacities without having to, you know, maybe hire and build that in-house. Um, our journey started um, probably around 20 years ago, actually exactly around 20 years ago now. I got involved in my father's business. It was a printing business and uh, didn't have a lot of interest in sticking around with that. So we were shift- looking at ways of, of shifting and pivoting um, and had some great relationships with some great clients that were giving us additional opportunities to succeed. And we succeed, we did. We did well with them. Um, real tipping point for us was in 2008 when the recession hit. Um, at that point, we had, uh, you know, made some pretty heavy investments in property and, and equipment and, and people and just really wasn't weren't prepared at all for for that downturn. And that was kind of that moment where it was, you know, it was fight or flight. And and obviously fight we did. Um, we, we came out of it, um, not without some, you know, scars and bruises, but we, we came out of it in survival mode. Uh, and it taught us a lot about, you know, how to, you know, what, what lessons we needed to learn as far as, you know, um, building something that would be sustainable, but also, you know, stable, yeah, given the economic uncertainties, whether it's an upcoming recession or whether it's COVID that we just went through, uh, and something that we could, you know, continue to thrive through. And I think that we've we've managed to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, uh, for an agency to be, be around that long, you know, since the previous recession back in 2009, you know, you, you've seen it all and heard it all. And you probably can see that we're, we're on the brink of an, another recession. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think there's any validity to it? I think 100% there's some validity to it. Um, I think that anytime we see, particularly what we see with, you know, the housing bubble um, and certain um, indicators, economic indicators that just seem to be um, exponentially out of whack compared to the, where the rest of, of uh, you know, our economy sits particularly as, you know, inflation relates to wages and living wages in particular. Um, I, I think we're, we're due for uh, some level of reset. I hope it's not a bad recession. I hope it's not like the one that we experienced in 08 and 09. Um, but I think that, you know, at this point in time, we should all be prudent to, to, to know that there's probably something around the corner that's going to affect us. 
And I think that these days, given especially the last couple of years that we just came out of, there's more of an intertwining between business and personal than ever before. So I think we have to be prepared for how that's going to affect us at home the same way it would affect our jobs. So, you know, back when the recession was happening, you know, what were some of the huge impacts, if you can recall back to, to that time, which is almost like 12, 13 years ago now, yeah. but what were some of the big issues that were impacting those small businesses and, and what can we learn from the experiences that were had back then? So I have a saying that I, I love saying, and it's just that nothing is ever as, as good as it seems when things are going great and things are never as bad as they seem when they're going bad. But the minute, you know, the, the perfect kind of, you know, indication of that is the minute people start hearing the R word, the, the recession word, it's, it's scary. And, and so, you know, people start to hold their purse strings a little bit tighter and they start to, you know, there's, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced it as well, Jay, marketing is one of those first things that maybe not gets cut entirely, but people, you know, you don't see an immediate ROI necessarily, although these days it's a little bit easier to demonstrate that, but certainly back then it was harder. Um, and so without, you know, the ability to, to convince them from a numbers perspective empirically that it makes sense to keep going, it was harder. Uh, and so we had budget slash and we had people for no really no good reason. I mean, their numbers at the time were still doing quite well. Their businesses were doing quite well. But because they were hearing about recession, they were preparing for it. They were they were stopping marketing and they were stopping some of the projects that they had on. And, and it was and I say stop. I mean, some of them got put on hold and some businesses, you know, it, it, understandably, were going to be at more of a risk um, than, than others. Uh, but I think that that speaks to the, the again, more of the reason that identify the specific situation you're in personally and from a business perspective and, and prepare for something accordingly. I mean, we always talk about having a nest egg personally, but I find that a lot of business owners that I speak to, and I'm not talking about the larger enterprise, but specifically that smaller business um, owners don't necessarily, aren't necessarily prepared for that three to six month, you know, crisis mode where we may need that bridge. You know, I think one of the best things that, you know, a small business can do right now is try to build up that bank balance as much yeah. as possible, because yeah. it's, I think it's the ones or the businesses with the stronger bank balances are going to be the ones that persevere through the pandemic or not the pandemic, sorry, the recession, because it's it's going to be, you know, an opportunity to potentially go out and purchase other businesses, purchase competitors, maybe when times might be tough for them. I think it's an opportunity for a lot of businesses out there and not necessarily just a, a, just a, a time that could be troubling, right? So um, I think you know that's something that a lot of business owners should be cognizant of is the opportunities that can lie ahead for them during the Yeah, and, and that's the great thing about a recession is that, and I don't mean that in, in, it, it's obviously a negative, but it does provide a little bit of a reset, right? So um, especially businesses where the barriers to entry aren't high, you know, you tend to see a lot of those types of companies starting up when times are good. And then what a recession will do typically is, is unfortunately for them, eliminate them. But I mean, you know, if you are strong and you're built you know, to thrive then um, and the strong will survive, um, they can take advantage like what you just said. And in addition to that, um, even the things that you mentioned, acquiring talent. I actually found that, you know, sometimes economic downturns are great for just keeping your eye on some of the companies that maybe have to let go of a few really good mm -hmm. people. And if you're there and if you have the you know, the capital that required to maybe make an investment in people at this point in time, provide some stability to them, you know, it goes a long way in the long term um, from, a, from a, an employee-employer relationship perspective. That's an excellent point. It's, you know, keeping your nose to the ground for, for those, you know, that talent that could emerge and, and possibly help out your company. But also, I think something else to consider, because I know, I mean, just learning from, from the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, it's like, look, our business, our digital agency did a, did a massive pivot. You know, a lot of the businesses we were working at with like restaurants, dental, you know, they put their marketing budgets on hold 
because right. <laughs> we couldn't service any customers. But what that forced us to pivot to a place where we were focusing on home improvement projects, staycations, right. things like that. And and naturally, when we came out of the pandemic, um, you know, the restaurants and dental practices started coming back. So I think this can be relevant to many different businesses out there is just being open minded to a potential pivot that you can do within your business that is maybe a little more recession proof. Yeah. Yeah. And there are businesses that are recession proof. I mean, you think about um, businesses where especially if you think about um, what, what would be the primary pain point in a recession would be pricing. So any business that actually offers things on more of a budget, whether that's a restaurant or a grocery store or a winery or something to that effect, those are typically going to do better in a recession than they would otherwise. Whereas the more premium brands or the premium companies tend to, you know, maybe suffer a little bit more from a, a revenue perspective. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to shift your complete ideology. I agree with you. Just sometimes you wind up focusing on a market that you never thought you would focus on. Because that's where the opportunity lies. Like, go go fish where the fish are, right? I mean, that's a it's a weird saying, but it makes total sense. Why would you fish where they're not? You know, hundred percent. So, I mean, just looking into the crystal ball for a second. Um, say six months down the road, year down the road, we're in a recession in terms of marketing. Because if if, if businesses are going to make cuts on their marketing budget, where would you suggest are some of those first cuts they should make, and where should they keep those budgets going? I disagree with any cuts. Um, no, look, I, I think that, like, as I said before, you know, and, and you just alluded to it as well with the digital marketing side of things, they're dynamic, um, they're dynamic platforms, they're dynamic campaigns, usually, that are built on data and built off of data and informed decisions can be made. And I think that certainly right now, where you don't need to plan three to six months ahead all the time, I think you need to be able just to, be prepared to shift or pivot and react to maybe um, a, a circumstance in, in in cash flow particularly. But as long as the ROI is continuing to be demonstrated, why cut? Maybe some of the more brand awareness type things maybe might not be as relevant right now, things where it's a little bit harder to establish or demonstrate what an ROI may be. Uh, and, and just for your listeners who don't know, I mean a return on the investment. So if you're a dollar in, you should be getting $10 out, that type of, of, of feel. Um, you know, when it's brand awareness, you typically can't measure that as effectively. But if you're selling a product or if you're selling a service and you know that for every dollar going in, you want X dollars out and you're still getting it, recession or not, you should not be stopping. Um, you know, and even tempering that expectation, maybe a little bit, understanding that people may be a little bit uh, less partial to part with their money during these times. So, you know, your your, your return on investment may go down a little bit. Um, I would just re really, really encourage everybody to spend a little bit more time or, or, or say more time, but just spend the appropriate amount of time analyzing the data and make sure that as long as you're getting value out of whether it's, you know, your agency or mine or any other one out there continue doing what you're doing because it's actually a great opportunity to take advantage of an open market where maybe your competitors have stopped uh, spending and stopped marketing. And, and so I, you know, I don't think the cut should be automatic. I think the data should, should maybe guide you down that road as far as where, where that can be made. The knee jerk reaction, I think for a lot of businesses is, is cut um, like to your point, cut, cut marketing budgets or cut budgets where things are not tangible, like the brand awareness, but also SEO as well, because especially for somebody that starts an SEO campaign or an SEO program, it takes time to, to generate those results or to garner those results. And sometimes if you, you know, you're getting traction and maybe you're, maybe you're a top three ranking, the minute you cut that SEO budget, what do you think is going to happen? 
right? That's an opportunity for those people on page two and page three to inject money into their SEO programs to be one of those top three listings because they're going to be pumping in resources into those SEO programs. Another thing is Facebook. It's one of the best times to advertise on Facebook because a lot of those marketers with budgets are pulling it out, which brings down the ad cost across the board for clicks, conversions, traffic, engagement, all that sort of stuff. So it's a really good time to inject budget into some of those platforms. If it's there, I agree 100%. And especially with SEO, it's not a turn the taps on, turn the taps off type of thing. So if you do stop it, not that you're starting from square one back you know, in six months or a year when you resume, but you're definitely starting back on page two or back on page three where, you know, what you just said. And, and it's funny because I, I think I think traffic numbers across the board typically increase during a recession. I could be wrong with that, Kyle, but back in 2009, yeah. was there an increase across the board in terms of traffic? Yeah. And again, remember, we didn't have the, the analytics back then that we do now. Right. Um, so and we even measured things a little bit differently than we did now. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, what we did find was that actually um, a, a lot of the digital stuff that we were running back then, which again, you know, 13, 14 years ago is not as it was a lot more primitive than it is now. Um, but we actually saw higher returns on investment than or, or better return on ad spends uh, at that point in time than we did in the months leading up to it. But often that was with decreased budgets as well, because everybody was, you know, holding the reins a little tighter. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's just something to to kind of pay attention to as as we as we, you know, get into this into this recession as the months go on. So um, right now, I mean, well, one of the big platforms obviously emerging quite a bit in the last, you know, couple of years has been TikTok. Yeah. and the the continued growth of that platform are you doing much on that platform at all are you personally on the platform uh, creating content no i i mean i'm personally on the platform just looking at content i'm, yeah, yeah. I'm digesting it not, not developing it uh we do as a firm uh create content for a couple of our clients some of our clients actually can't uh they, they could be alcoholic beverages or otherwise that we're not we're actually not allowed to advertise on the platform um so it's not part of it um but we're looking, we're keeping a very close eye on when we will be able to. The expectation is that that audience will continue to grow. I mean, look, at one point, two years ago, it wasn't even our market. So if we're looking at at the adult markets, it was, you know, I think the, the demographic was 11 to 16 or something like that. And now it's increased quite a bit where I think that the average age is actually like 21 right now. So it's, it's an appropriate market. They just haven't figured out a way to actually allow it from a legal perspective right now. So um, I, I look forward to getting into it a little bit more. But right now, I'm still the guy that sees most of my TikTok on Instagram. Um, you know, it's, yeah, definitely. I believe the it's funny because you're absolutely right. You just see that trend happening uh, between, you know, demographics where it's just like, Facebook, for example, I think the fastest growing demo on Facebook are women and men 65 plus now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where and soon enough, they're going to translate over to Instagram naturally. Right. right. And then from Instagram, it's going to head over to TikTok. That's just where it goes. It's like a wave. Right. And it's funny. I think something that a lot of people don't um, pay attention to is, is is the behaviors that people have on certain platforms and demographic behaviors. So if you're somebody 65 plus on a social media platform, what do you think they're doing? Right. They're sitting there and they're scrolling slowly past every piece of content, clicking every single CTA call to action. And 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 that's just not the behavior of a millennial who's going through content, you know, a mile a minute. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's something that for all creators out there and marketers out there is just understand the different type of creative that belongs on TikTok as a platform compared to Facebook. But think about it too, right? Is that even the lessons that we've learned from TikTok recently, it, 
are not necessarily to deliver on TikTok, but if that's the way that media is being consumed by choice, does out of home change as a result? So would, you know, again, for people that don't know out of home, meaning a billboard, would a billboard, you're typically used to the static display in, in, in 15 seconds, if it's programmatic or forever for a month or so, depending on what you're renting. But should that be changing? Should that be the type of thing where there's, you know, reels or, or you know, something to that effect of, of, a, of a quick um, digestible video format as opposed to the, that static format? Then there are traffic laws and other rules and regulations that you have to get around in order to consider those types of things. But again, it's it's about challenging the, the, the old way, which would be, again, out of home, just a billboard, picture a billboard with the new and the way that people are digesting content. So it's it's interesting to see where that's going to net out. That's a brilliant idea. Imagine just being able to do a takeover of a billboard on the Gardner Expressway and just putting your TikTok feed on it. Right. And just let it It'd roll. be amazing. Oh, you know, that, that that's right. It'd be expensive, too. <laughs> but depending on the content, you know, though, you may be you- liable for for some accidents, you know, and that would be a problem. Yes, valid, (laughs) good point. Real quick guys, are you an entrepreneur, a small business owner, a marketing director that's wearing way too many hats? You find yourself doing too many different types of jobs within the business and allocating your attention everywhere. There's a good chance if you're doing this, you're a jack of all trades, master of none. This is exactly why Merged Media exists. We're your one-stop digital shop, your outsourced CMO. We take care of all of those digital marketing tasks all under one roof, including Google ads, search engine optimization, social media marketing, and website optimization. We're all collaborating together under one roof at Merged Media. And if you think there might be a good fit for us to work with you, I want you to go on over to merged.ca and book your discovery call today. That's M-E-R-G-E-D dot C-A. Are you, are you still um, exercising any traditional marketing means for your clients? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that COVID probably eliminated a lot of the, uh, a lot of the prints, you know, a lot of the, I think that I'm going to guess 80% of communications that were still done print, um, whether that was actually uh, like technical literature. So things like, um, you know, um, the financial notices or, or you know, uh, consumer recalls and things like that. Um, the laws have changed to adapt to COVID, and so that, that we can now send those out digitally, um, saving the companies a lot of money. Uh, obviously, helping the environment from cutting down tree perspective. Um, so that's changed. No, that's not necessarily marketing, but it's communications, and it's an important you know kind of indicator as to where it's going. Um, but it does still play a role. I mean, we have customers where the average age is the Facebook age. It's the 55 to 65. And a flyer, you'd be surprised at how well it actually does complement a strong digital campaign or, um, you know, user experience on the website. So, yeah, it plays a role. It's it's a lesser and lesser role, uh, I find, as we go along. But if used properly um, and, and if still thought through uh, properly, it, it still can be effective. Lesser and lesser role because it's less than because it's not as measurable. Part of it, you know, it's a heavy investment up front and, you know, with a little bit of a a, a dart at the board as far as, you know, knowing what you're going to know, you never really know, I guess, but um, as far as demonstrating what the the perceived value would be on it. Um, But I I would say people have less time. There used to be a little bit more of a value in the tangible items, you know, having the the printed piece with your name on it or having the, the promotional item that was, you know, people are okay without it just give me that give me what i need to know in two or three seconds and let me move on and make my decision you know there's that type of it and whereas you know kind of opening it up and unsealing it doing all that it's actually people are looking at it as work rather than something special for them now right so i think that 
Um, it's interesting. It's again, finding that balance. And I don't think that one rule applies for, for every client and or campaign. One of our clients, um, well, actually we partnered with one of our clients to acquire an investor magazine that used to be on the, on the shelves at Shoppers Drug Mart. And when we went in and took it on the P and L and the print was minimal at best. And we just said, Hey, let's, let's put our resources and apply it all to digital and take it off the shelf. And that's what we did. And we were able to triple the traffic in a year through SEO. So if you Google anything investor related, there's a good chance you're going to land on that website. But the point was we did this during the, the pandemic with just, uh, just like everyone was Googling things. Everyone was sitting at home. They were right. going to the shops and, and it just made sense at the time. And, and to your point, I think you, I think you brought up a good point, Kyle. It's like, it can work still. I think print in tandem with, with other digital campaigns. So if you're doing a right. Facebook campaign, for example, targeting a postal code where those flyers or door knockers are being hung, hung, that's a great opportunity to get that additional exposure and yeah. increase that overall ad frequency. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, listen, if you're a, a paver doing individual driveways, I'd say there's a market for it. Go do the door knockers and just leave them on the doors. And I bet you, you're going to get a bunch of calls out of them. Would you get as many as you would get on Google if somebody was just searching for, you know, who can pave my driveway? I don't know. Probably not, but there's still a market for it. Definitely. How, how are, how are, how is Skylar Media branding themselves or marketing themselves in 2022? Uh, I think just a continued evolution of that full service offering. Uh, you know, for us, it's, it's the ability to flex, to pivot, to adjust, to resource um, all accordingly. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of, so everything's on strings, right? I mean, I feel like it's almost like a, a concerto sometimes where you're, you know, you're trying to resource over here in order to suit the needs of one client or, or a few clients. And and at the same time, maybe look at new opportunities and how will we resource and, and, and maybe flex to fit that or what do we need to add in order to be successful or something like that. So I think that our evolution comes from the evolution of our people. Uh, you know, they continue to learn, they continue to um, um, increase or, or um uh, increase the wrong word, but evolve their own skill sets, which subsequently then allows Skylar to then offer more to our clients, even our current clients. You know, we hear quite often, yes, how much they rely on us, how much they depend on us, and, and that, you know, we are, uh, we do prioritize a lot of what they do. But I think actually one of the best things that we hear is that um, they, they don't ever feel like we get caught in that rut where we're doing same old or where we're do, just doing doing what we do to get by type of thing because it's always worked. And I don't even mean campaign related. It could just be communications related, internal comms or anything like that, website updates. You know, everything gets treated with a high level of priority. But if you bring new ideas to the table and maybe, you know, maybe new approaches to content or new approaches to the, the, the user experience or the consumer experience themselves, those are ways where you constantly feel like you have a new relationship because we're bringing new people in. And I think our clients value that. And I think our new clients see the value in that as well, because they feel like they're never just going to be, okay, we're going to sign a three-year agreement with you. And after three years, we're going to be so tired of you because you're going to be doing the same thing for three years. That's not what we're all about. And and that's how we market ourselves. It's just the ability to bring uh, a diverse group of clients and learnings from a bunch of different industries and apply them um, and and continue to evolve over time. And and so far, it seems to have worked quite well. Awesome. Kyle, great conversation. I uh, love chatting with another agency owner. If our audience has any questions for you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, yeah, our website skylarmedia.ca. So um, uh, visit me there. I think you can drop us a line through that. Um, I'm on Twitter at, um, at Kyle Kotek. Uh, my name's right there. Um, happy to engage, happy to, to chat. And, uh, and Jay, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. Definitely. And, and Kyle, we end every episode with the same question. That question is this. If you can choose one person dead or alive to represent your brand, who would it be and why? 
Um, you know, I thought about this. I saw that you did that, and uh, and I had a, had a lot of, um, and I actually, I am going to go with. Huh. The funny thing is, you had this question before. A lot of people don't don't do their due diligence. You did. I, I did. <laughs> uh, you know. So so here's the thing. I I my answer. I want to go with a. I, I just. Ugh. I'm going to try to steer clear of politics or or anything that's divisive <laughs> or anything like that. And so I'm actually. I I do know what I wanted to say. Maybe I'll tell you after. But I want to try to maybe steer steer clear of that. Um. I I think I would go with. Frank Sinatra, and I'll tell you. Why. All right, all right. I did it my way, so that's that's maybe even though I know Paul Anka wrote the song, you know, Sinatra's famous for it. So I did it my way, but he was admired, he was respected, um, loved by some, hated by others. But I always feel like you know, feel something about me, but just don't feel meh, you know. Um, and I think that our company reflects that as well. So I think that uh, I think he would be appropriate uh, appropriate representative. You know what? It's like another question in itself. What's the theme song to represent your brand? It's another yeah, right? question. I love yeah. that. I love that answer. That's awesome. Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Thanks. Sir. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast. I truly appreciate it and would love it if you went over to your podcast platform and gave us a subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, if you think the Merged Marketing Podcast is a good fit for somebody else, like your business partner or your spouse, just go on over and give this episode a share. I'd love it if you would share the wealth of knowledge and value that I'm bringing to you and share it to other people. That would be amazing. Again, thank you so much for listening. Don't set up for good. Be great. We'll see you soon.